Previously on Infants on Thrones. I'm wondering if you subscribe to any form of karma whatsoever. It's interesting because the Black Lives Matter movement and all these protests, it actually was sort of uh, yeah. timely because... Yeah. There's something about the, a shift that happens in your understanding and it doesn't get them off the hook at all. It gets you off the hook. If I'm going to drop the whole notion that there's some sort of like eternal justice, like if you're an asshole in this life, then you die, then you get your comeuppance after this life. I, I feel like that the obsession of needing fairness is sort of a, a fruitless, desireless desire. Okay, well, if I have to drop that notion, which is where I stand. And now when I go forward and I date, I don't put a burden on these men. I've relieved that from them too. Then I kind of fall into, okay, well, what will fill that void now? And I, I find myself thinking about karma quite a bit. It just sucks. And it's like, yeah, wrongs get committed. There's terrible people. They're gonna, they're gonna do it. And they're gonna get away with it. Um, deal with it. <laughs> I, I just, I do. Like the, deep down inside me, I just hate and resist that idea all, all day, every day. So does that help, or is that just me going back to where I was? It's, it sort of sounds like back to where you were. If you're an asshole, then, you know, assholery is going to sort of surround you, so. You know, it's just, it, there's some kind of shift that happens, and it's totally worth learning how to forgive. Displaces the dark, displaces the darkness of evil. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 675. And it's also... This is the end. Yes, this is, this is the end of the series on justice and karma, meandering, insatiable as it was. And uh, we're going to share some clips from you, some things that uh, Tom and I share with each other when we're just talking and send in talking messages to each other. I'm going to share some clips from Patreon-only episodes so you guys can just feel super special today. And we're just going to wrap up this whole thing. We're going to wrap it up. And we're going to start wrapping it up right now. Wait, wait, but actually we're not. Because you know what I want to do? I want to share with you a story that we're going to talk about later in this episode. But this is this is one of those things that Tom sent to me and just the way that he told this story is just, it's beautiful. And so I, I want you to hear it in his words. So when you hear him summarizing it later on, you'll hear what I heard originally because it's fantastic. So I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Perry. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing at something that just happened and I've got, I, I have to vent to you about this. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. So there's this friend of mine. He's also a coworker, but he works in a different office than I do. So I don't, I mean, we used to chat and, uh, and hang out quite a bit. Good, good dude, man. Like he's, uh, he's in his mid thirties, maybe late thirties. Father of four. He just had his fourth like just in the last four months just a good dude man like they just bought their first house um 
really just good dude good dude um <laughs> so when when we we sort of hit it off because because <laughs> we both drink coffee <laughs> that's that was our shared thing like he came up to me one time and he's like hey man uh tom right i was like yeah he introduces himself and uh he's like do you drink coffee i was like yeah he's like no way and then he just started asking me he's like man i don't i don't see any or i don't interact with anybody who drinks coffee around here i was like yep <laughs> me either <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty rare and he's like oh man he's like and then we started trading like coffee recipes and likes and dislikes and whatever and and then it just built from there we just started talking all the time and talking about life and family and hobbies and all that kind of stuff right so <laughs> so i run into him like not even 15 minutes ago okay so he's home just working on some home projects or whatever i was like dude hey it's good to see you bro haven't seen you in person in a while He's like, yeah. I was like, how's the baby doing? She's doing good. Mom? Yeah, mom's doing good. Everybody's doing good. I was like, cool. He's like, yeah, we're all doing really good. And he put an emphasis on that. We're doing really good. I was like, that's great, dude. He's like, oh, did Heather not tell you? I was like, what? what? Did Heather tell me what? I had no idea what he was talking about, truthfully. I was like, what? And he's like, oh yeah i got baptized and i was like huh and and i have a really bad habit of doing that where i say huh or what and it's not that i didn't hear you it's that that statement was not just out of left field but just utterly completely confusing and he's like i got baptized and that still didn't help me. And I kind of shook my head and I was like, you got baptized? He's like, yeah, in the LDS church. <laughs> and I have to admit, dude, like I, I, uh, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man. I was like, oh. Uh, oh, uh, con congratulations. Like, that's great, dude. He's like, oh, yeah, it's it's really good. I was like, yeah, that's really good. I did not. I, here's the thing. I know for a fact I did a horrendous job. Horrendous job at hiding my disappointment, my shock. I know I did. <laughs> Like, in retrospect, like, of all the things to say. And there must be the, the Tom X Mormon that's coming out where it's like, who, who, as a rational adult, in, in the year 2019 to 2020, who, in this day and age, as an adult, as a logical person, as a person who has all their facilities and faculties together, would choose to join. <laughs> that set says way more about me than it does about him. I get that. I totally get that. 
I agree wholeheartedly. But I'm laughing at myself thinking, <laughs> what is wrong with me? I have like these preconceived notions like, there ain't nobody that's going to go and get baptized, especially as an adult. Kids do it all the time because they don't know better. But adults that, that have minds that think for themselves? What? <laughs> I'm still in shock. And, and you know what it is, is like, it's kind of my own fault in a way. It's maybe this is, maybe this is cosmic karma, cosmic karma, cosmic karma. It's, it's like, Tom, you have been spending so many years listening to those that stop believing and leave the church. It's about time you listen to somebody who just joined, who signed up. Cosmic karma. Holy crap. <laughs> Okay, I don't, I, I'm, I'm wrestling a little bit. I don't think it's going to affect our friendship. Oh my God, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. It wasn't even a factor before. Why would it be now, right? Shouldn't be. <sighs> but just based, based on past experiences with other people, that's not a good place to start from because that's starting with lots of assumptions based on other people but considering that he's fresh that it's all like it's probably a big part of his life right now like he thinks about it he probably thinks about it a lot a lot right now <laughs> but if it's going to be a topic of conversation or at the forefront of conversations with him moving forward Come on, dude. Am I supposed... I can do it. I can handle it. I think I can. I believe I can. Thomas the Tank Engine can handle it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do this. Um, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> I hope I can. But if he starts, like, talking about the church and how great it is on a constant basis because I'm going to be seeing him more and more as it move forward because of a work transfer thing. <laughs> so we're going to be seeing more of each other, which again, is, is that a coincidence? Cosmic karma. Is there, is there something at play here? Is a, is your boy, uh, that directed Ace Ventura Shadiac? Would he call this just a coincidence or would he say that, no man, this is, this is the universe and energies pulling this dude into your into your uh, awareness making you having to deal with shit that's unresolved bro that's what's going on cosmic karma like i was saying like all the people that i've seen and dealt with and interacted with who have left the church now tom i mean this isn't this isn't even an equal librium coming into play because this is one person <laughs> after hundreds and hundreds of people that I've talked with and spoken with and interacted with who have left or stopped believing. Um, <laughs> it's only fair that I have to deal with one person that does the exact opposite. <laughs> but it sucks because that was sort of our commonality, man. That's where, that's where we BRT'd. Was, was through coffee, was through, you know, Satan's beverage. And now we now we're not gonna have that anymore. 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to go into the world speculation. I still. I still do love him. I do. I'm just. I'm shocked. This is. This has never happened to me before. What's going on? Hey, Tom. Putting people down. That's yeah. it's such a fun little hobby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everyone it makes us feel it. better about ourselves, huh? <laughs> oh God. So how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I you, went for a nice. Do you want long me to run. not record for a little bit? Oh, I don't care. You, you can run. You can record. Really? You trust me? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Right. Did, yeah. Some days I trust me. Some days I don't. <laughs> just the nature that's probably how everybody should look at it of the beast depending yeah. on the day and the mood well, all, right. all right tom so so how's your journey been with uh justice fairness and karma <laughs> i'm ready to wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you stretched the hell out of it, I, it's, it man i feel like i've changed a lot since then and a, a lot of it is because it kind of put me on like looking, looking into things that I wouldn't normally look into. And some of them I've shared as part of the, uh, the series, but others I haven't, you know, like the Michael Singer untethered soul stuff. I've, I've talked to you about it a lot. David Hawkins letting go. I've talked to you about that a lot, but I haven't really mentioned it on the podcast. I've, I've mentioned it um, in some of the Patreon sharing time episodes, but not, not, not as part of the series. And that's probably had more of an impact on me than any of the other stuff that I have shared, you know, more sure. than, than the, the past life stuff with Jim Tucker or Eben Alexander. Yeah. Or... Good times. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but the, so the idea, I guess if I were going to wrap up, if I were going to say what, what have I learned over the course of the justice and the karma thing is really that it's, and I don't know if this is much that I've learned it or that I've recognized that I've always kind of felt this way that karma is is really a personal like balancing the scales of justice with karma is kind of a personal responsibility thing on the way that you perceive the world around you and the way that you interact with people in the world around you which i know is a different way of framing it than the way that you came into it because you you were focused on other people like these people that do bad things and they, they're getting away with it. And so how are they going to get punished? You know, like, <laughs> so that that's your folks. So you can talk about yours, but, but mine has been more about like, how do I find, how do I balance those scales just within my own psyche, just within my own like emotional state of being. Right. And, um, and that's been cool. Well, I, like I, there was, there was one thing that you'd mentioned and maybe we can take a minute to talk about it where you it was one of the messages you sent me just recently where you're talking about letting it go. And I, yeah. I'm assuming it's the Hawkins stuff Yeah, where and you're going to have to rephrase it. Cause I'm, I think I'm going to butcher some of it where in order to away, Tom, I, I like the way you butcher things. It's good. <laughs> so you were saying that letting go isn't like letting them off the hook or letting someone, if someone offended you or wronged you, um, it's not about like letting him off the hook or even forgiveness. Really, it was like um, I remember. I remember you bringing up the the Christie situation where she's like, "You just have to unburden yourself from it. Right. You have to just let get to a place where you're like, it's not going to bother me anymore, and that's letting it go." Yeah, because the letting it go, just even that phrase, it 
I know for most everybody is going to conjure up different feelings and reactions, like letting it go. What does that mean? And I know I talked to you about this, that, you know, it, for me to do that, that means that requires some, some form of clean slate forgiveness where (laughs) I have to forgive the person. Yeah. And I'm usually either one step removed or I have taken the step of just fully forgiving them. And that means even trying to forget it. Like, all right, you know, you, you've no longer committed that, you know, wrong against me. And so we're, we're good. And that's from what I have been researching, even through these, this recent journey is that's not the most healthiest way of doing it. Yeah. But then I even went down, you know, trying to figure out why is it that I felt that way or why is that sort of ingrained in my head? And was that something that I was raised with? Does Mormonism even have a (laughs) role to play in where my mind was in that? But I I really haven't figured it out totally. But I do think that um, there are quite a few people that feel that way too, but I don't know what the percentage is, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, the, the letting go thing, you had mentioned that it's sort of, I guess it kind of plays off what you just mentioned, that it's your responsibility to let it go. You're, yeah. only, you're only in control of yourself. You can't get them to change, right? So if, they, if, you are on the, if you are on the wronged end of the spectrum and they were the ones that committed the wrong, you can't get them to fix it. So you can only fix what your end, I guess? Well, I, I, think, I think what I said to you and, and what I feel about letting go is that I think it can I think it can sound really dismissive to somebody. Like if somebody's really upset and you're like, oh, just yeah. let it go, just let it go. And you're like, what do you mean, let it go? Especially like if this, we're talking about major crimes. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. And 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 as like how <laughs> as as we're doing this series, we have that. Um, you know, like the Black Lives Matter stuff comes out. You know, we, everybody's shut in because of COVID. Right. And then all of this stuff happens where people go out and they start protesting. Right. And so I, I was really sensitive, you know, like I'm like, can, can I be doing a, a podcast about letting things go when there's all of this stuff going on? You know, it's just like that. <laughs> that was really, that was really weird. Was it? <laughs> to, was to be it? Doing, yeah, to be to to go like okay, I've got another episode that I've got to put out this week, uh, but look at all the stuff that's going on. Can I really do this? Can I feel good about this message because it's just kind of so, like we don't know what we're. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't. I'm no expert on any of these things. I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. I thought it was an interesting question that you asked about justice and karma, and then yeah, the whole but- world goes you know like crazy for me to to say oh you just need to let it go just let it go people just let it go <laughs> like <laughs> it could be really dismissive but but so here's yes. what i here's what i have come to feel about letting go that that letting go is letting go of whatever it is that's inside of yourself that's keeping you from feeling loving appreciative joyful here's a little something that i shared with our patreon supporters that illustrates what i'm trying to say better than the way that i'm trying to say it right here, I think. I want to share with you um, an excerpt from Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by David R. Hawkins, MD, PhD. And this is at the end of chapter 14. There's this, this example that he gives. And I don't really want to uh, give any more context than that. Let's just do this. Let's say, let's say, for example, 
that we've parked our car and just as we get out, the car parked in front of us backs up into our car with a thud. Our bumper and the front fender are dented. Here are some different responses and, and try to identify yourself. How would you respond if this happened to you? If you're responding out of shame, it might be, how embarrassing. I'm such a lousy driver. I can't even park a car. I'll never amount to anything. Or it could be a guilt response. I had it coming. How stupid I am. I should have done a better job parking. A response from apathy. What's the use? Things like this always happen to me. I probably won't collect on the insurance anyway. There's no use talking to the guy. He'll just sue me. Life stinks. Grief. Now the car is ruined. It'll never be the same. Life is grim. I'll probably lose the bundle on this one. Fear. This guy is probably furious. I'm afraid he'll hit me. I'm afraid to talk back to him. He'll probably sue me. I'll probably never get the car fixed right again. Car repair people always rip me off. The insurance company will probably get out of this one, and I'll be the one left holding the bag. Desire. I can make a bundle on this one. I think I'll hold my neck and fake a whiplash. My brother-in-law's a lawyer. We'll sue the pants off this idiot. I'll get a settlement on the highest estimate and get it fixed at a cheaper place. Anger. The damned idiot. I think I'll teach this guy a lesson. He deserves a good punch in the nose. I'll sue his pants off and make him suffer. My blood is boiling. I feel shaky with rage. I could kill the bastard. Pride. Look where you're going, you fool. Oh, God. The world is full of such bumbling idiots. How dare he damage my new car? Who the hell does he think he is? He's probably got cheap insurance. Thank God mine is the best. Courage. Oh, well. We both got insurance. I'll take down the data and handle it okay. A nuisance, but I can handle it. I'll talk to the driver and get it settled out of court. Neutrality. These things happen in life. You can't drive 20,000 miles a year without an occasional fender bender. Willingness. How can I help the guy calm down? He doesn't need to feel upset about it. We'll just exchange the necessary insurance information and be okay with each other. Acceptance. It could have been worse. At least nobody's hurt. It's only money anyway. The insurance company will take care of it. I suppose the guy's upset. That's only natural. Such things just can't be helped. Thank God I'm not running this universe. It's only a minor nuisance. Reason. Let's be practical here. I'd like to take care of this as quickly as possible so I can get on with the day's activities. What's the most efficient way to resolve our problem? Love. I hope the guy isn't upset. I'll calm him down. He says to the other driver, relax, it's all okay. We've both got insurance. I know how it is, it happened to me just the same way. It was a minor dent and we got it fixed in a day. Don't worry, we won't report it if you don't want to. We can probably deduct it and avoid a raise in our insurance premiums. There's nothing to be upset about. He reassures the upset driver, putting an arm on his shoulder in fellow human camaraderie. And the last one, peace. Well. Isn't that fortuitous? I was going to have the rattle in my bumper fixed anyway, and the fender already had a little dent, so now I'll get it fixed for nothing. 
Say, aren't you George's brother-in-law? You're just the guy I wanted to see. I have some great business that I think you can handle for me. We'll both benefit. You look like the right person to research it for us. How about a cup of coffee and we talk it over? By the way, here's my insurance card. Say, that's the same company as yours. What a coincidence. Everything's working out for the best. No problem. Walks off humming with a new friend, the incident already forgotten. Okay, so that last one's a little, a little over the top with Pete's, but you get the idea. Were you able to locate yourself in there? Like, how do you think your response would be? And do you have a choice? Do you have a choice on how to respond? And maybe in the moment, see, this is where it gets a little tricky because maybe in the moment you've been so conditioned to see things in certain ways that you've only got a small range of what you're able to choose from. But I think, I think it's quite possible over time. If you say, if you look at those responses and you go, yeah, I'd much rather be the person who's responding from love or peace or willingness or acceptance or whatever those things were towards the end rather than fear and guilt and shame and those things that are gonna keep me feeling depressed and down and the other person as well. I'd, I'd rather gravitate towards love. What are those things inside of me that are keeping me stuck in the anger or stuck in one of these other places where I can't let go of something to move into a different way of seeing things and a different way of reacting? That's the thing that I'm really interested. I think I've always been interested in that. And I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to share this with you. And I'm curious to know from those of you listening, what do you think about this? I'm, I'm toying with the idea of creating another survey. Letting go of whatever it is that's inside of yourself that's keeping you from feeling loving, appreciative, joyful. And usually what it is that's keeping you from feeling those things is some kind of distortion, some kind of fiction, I think. That's, that's the thing. And, and now it's like I'm watching your, your reaction to things and I'm like reading into it like, okay, now I'm saying that the things that you care about are a fiction. Awesome. I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite. Not quite. Because yeah. I, I am coming around with the stories that we tell ourselves or whatever. Um, so, yeah. I, <laughs> it's interesting because the Black Lives Matter movement and all these protests, to me, it actually was sort of... Uh, I don't know, timely because yeah. there, were, there was a part of me that was like, look at all these people that are just as fueled up yeah. on trying to right wrongs. Right. That they see, you know, they, all of them have this uh, fairness scale built yeah. inside of them and it's, and it's out of whack. Right. And they're going to, you know, do what they can to try to fix it. You know, even you know, even if uh, just making a protest doesn't actually cause change, but it does seem like it's moving the needle in some ways. So I think, I think it's an unapplaudable thing that they're trying to do what they can to (laughs) right the wrong. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to see people react like, you know, if they feel really wronged and what they're willing to do. Some people really go above and beyond you know, even, even where I'm like, okay, I, I'm not sure I would go that far, you know, like even causing, uh, whether it's violence or yelling at people, you know, it's almost like a retaliatory, you know, vengeful thing. Then I think, well, now you're just looking at, uh, what 
a target that's not necessarily the right target, but you're going to take out your frustration or this vengeance on someone or something. And I always, I often think, uh, I'm not sure that that is the best thing, but I'm certainly not in a place to say that. But um, I also understand the therapeutic exercise of trying to write the scales. So, yeah. And I thought it was so interesting that a, a lot of people that I know who directly went and put their bodies on the front lines in those protests oh, wow. were also people who were very vigilant about wearing their masks and social distancing and, yeah. you know, like staying quarantined uh, during this time of COVID and that they would see an issue like this and say, this is, this is worth it for me to, to break out of quarantine, to go and really put, put myself on the line to say the way that the world should be is a place of love and acceptance where yes, all lives matter. Uh-huh. Right. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all lives matter, but like right now, we're focusing on these areas where there has been injustice with with you know the the inequality yeah. in our in our system that's just kind totally. of baked in institutionally, and people saying, yeah, this isn't really what I want it what I want it to be. So you you said something about moving the needle. Yeah. You, you, what could you talk more about that? Like what it, what is the needle, and how I, is it I, moving? I would just say like making actual tangible change, you know, for the most part, from what I gather, you know, and I, I don't want to speak for them, but the, a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesters and movement, they want to see police reform. Some take it to extremes, but others are pretty down the line where they want to see something happen. And I have seen several police agencies already reduce funding um, really start to look at how police officers can be, uh, I don't know, disciplined or investigated when there's something, you know, very questionable that happens, especially if it comes into a form of prejudice or race, racism. So to me, the fact that there are significant, very high uh, authority figures making changes, like whether that's laws or enacting things, that to me is how I define moving the needle. Because if, they, if, if they're getting attention and then laws are coming and police reform is happening and police departments are getting less money because it, they want the money to go to other uh, institutions and resources that'll help, to me that's, yeah, moving the needle. Yeah. I, I guess that the image that comes to my mind when I think about that needle is that it's not real <laughs> there's there's not like a real mean, needle real. there's a bunch of like little needles that like every single person has within themselves this needle of like are you loving or are you bigoted or you know like are you accepting or are you not you know are, are you self-aware you're not that that kind of needle i see the, the, the big institutional needle is almost like the average of all of these different individual needles that come in. Oh, I, th I, th I think you're right. But how, but how do you get all those individual needles to move in one solid direction? Well, I, I, how do you get it to? Yeah. You don't. You only get your own needle to, to where it is. And, okay, you know, but, what, but what if you are part of a, a larger group, you know? What if well, you and thousands of other people feel the same way? How, how, how can you get there? We, well, we, we are and we have been but i mean like you can look at sam young and um kate kelly and you know you, you can look at these different movements even within 
the Mormon institution of mm-hmm. people saying, we want to make these changes. We want the needle to move. Like, how do you get the, the Mormon church needle to move? Um, you know, it, <laughs> we've been, we've been exploring this question for a long time in a lot of different ways. I don't, I don't know that you can get like make an institutional needle move. You can really only focus on your own needle. And that is kind of like, it adds a little bit to the overall needle, like Uh your influence on other people. Like if you're a very loving person or if you're a very hateful person or if you're a very forgiving person or like whatever you are, there'll be an influence around people around you and that'll kind of move the needle a little bit, but it's mainly the, the aggregate of, of everyone. Well, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think I think we're talking about the same thing, but to me, it sounds like you're. Saying, I'm glad you know what we're talking about. I don't know what we're talking about right now. To be honest, well, that's a story I'm telling myself. Yeah. So maybe that's a fiction. Mm-hmm. So I I think what you're saying though kind of flies in the face of activists and activism. I mean, because is what you're saying like if you were speaking to an activist right now, would you tell them, dude, like? change yourself. You're not going to actually going to move the needle one way or another, whether it's about racism or whether it's, you know, institutional uh, sexual abuse or cover up and stuff like that. I mean, do you tell them, you know, give it up, you know, no. stop, ma- stop making up, stop making signs, stop going to the courthouse, stop making a, a big scene or whatever. Um, because you're not going to move the needle. You're not going to make change. No, because I, because I think that the actions that an activist are taking are a reflection of where their personal needle is. But you don't think that, so their motivation is to try. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not telling them don't do it. I'm not saying don't be an activist. Don't make the signs. Don't go put your body on the line. You think that's what I'm saying? It kind of sounded like it where you were saying you can't move the needle. So what, you know, why do it? Mm. And I, then I automatically thought of, you know, someone like Christy Johnson, who's definitely made an impact and she's an activist. Um, I mean, I think she is getting the needle moved to some degree. Mm. I mean, the fact that she even got that documentary out. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, Tom. I don't, I don't think that I'm anti-activist and anti trying to make change in the world. I, I think, I think for me, it's more just focusing that the most impactful, important change first happens within your own sense of fairness, within your own psyche. Um, and I and I think for activists, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to come out like I'm anti-activist. Or something <laughs> like that. Well, then why are you wearing an anti-activist shirt right now? Am I? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah. So, so let, let's get back to the, the, the karma and justice series for you because it kicked yeah. off as a question for you. And maybe, maybe you can talk more about where you were back in March when you made that comment to me that you never really expected was going to become a podcast series on infants. No, on I, yeah, I was just hoping a conversation, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not multiple right. conversations that might go to the public, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so has there been any shift in Tom over the course of these last few months? And I think what is this going to be probably the eighth and final episode in that series? I think better, so. Better damn well be the final. Right? <laughs> I remember when I told you, I think we could do like three or four episodes out of this. You're like, what? Yeah, I was thinking yeah. one, maybe two at the best. <laughs> 
so what what has changed for me a lot actually um so one of the listeners response uh actually planted adam it was adam yeah. yeah so he when he had essentially echoed some of my own thoughts by saying um justice or seeking for fairness and seeking for justice um i don't you know th- this goes back to the bigger thought like is it is it a biological thing is this something that we acquired through some form of natural selection and, and societal sort of uh, treatment that's maybe even ingrained in our DNA. I don't know. Cause I, I was doing some research a while ago on is justice in our nature? Where does fairness even come from? And, and they can kind of track it back to the earliest hunter and gatherers, you know, where someone would go out and hunt and bring back, you know, the, the meat or whatever, but there had to be a sort kind of rule set of fairness because you can't just have like the biggest guy come in and say, ah, uh, I'm, I'm the most hungry. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and take, you know, three fourths of that meat. Um, it's like, well, we need to, we need to feed the entire tribe here. So we need to have some fairness rules enacted. You know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this so-called research <laughs> that Tom said that he did came from a movie that I shared with him that he hated called I Am by Tom Shadyak. It's a great movie. I love it. You should watch it. I think this is the clip that he's referring to. I'm going to share it with you here. You decide. Here's a story, a true story, to show just who we've become. Once there was a native tribe that lived in peace and harmony for thousands of years, and every day the routine was the same. Hunters would go out from the tribe, and when they returned, the bounty from the hunt was shared equally by all members of the tribe. No one went hungry when food was available, not even the weak, the sick, or the elderly. One day, the most skilled hunter said, I'm the best hunter. I kill more than my share of deer. Why should I share the bounty of my hunt? And from that day forward, he began storing his meat in a high mountain cave. And then other skilled hunters said, we kill more than our share of deer too. Shouldn't we have the right to keep the bounty of our hunt? And they too began to store their meat in high mountain caves. And then something began to happen in the tribe that had never happened before. Some people, especially the old, the weak, and the sick, began to go hungry while others were well fed. In fact, it became so commonplace that no one even thought it unusual that some were starving while others had more than what they needed. And what's even more strange, the tribal elders began to teach their young to emulate the hoarding habits of these few. Now that story isn't true because it happened. It's true because it's happening. We are that tribe. I am that tribe. I was doing some research a while ago because you can't just have like the biggest guy come in and say, ah, uh, I'm, I'm the most hungry. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and take, you know, three fourths of that meat. Um, it's like, well, we need to, we need to feed the entire tribe here. So we need to have some fairness rules enacted. And, and didn't they keep the milk strippings for themselves in that hunter gatherer story? I seem to remember something about that. <laughs> something about it, Yeah. Something like that. But uh, yeah, I, 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 feel like that the obsession of needing fairness is sort of a, a fruitless desire or it's, it's something that isn't necessarily helpful. You know, even it's, it's, it's a weird thing too, because it's not like I've given it up. 
and I still, I guess Christy Johnson helps me understand that too, where she still feels like that justice needs to be served, but on an individual level, on a personal level, you've got to do something about sort of that toxic thing that can really set in your soul if you become obsessed about it or if you overthink about it and it, and it drives you and it, and it starts to affect like your daily activities. That's, that's where I kind of step in because it, it, it sort of plays to my overthinking nature where if I come across something that's personally or even, even uh, affected someone that I really care about, then I end up spending a lot more time worrying about it and thinking about it and even thinking, how can I move the needle? Do I need to contact the judge? <laughs> can, maybe is there a possibility I could be one of the jurors on this trial and then I can make a difference? Maybe I could set that perpetrator to jail or whatever. That's, that's where my mind goes because, and, and it's weird too, because I think on some level and that there's like this universal fairness it's not something that came back from the hunter and gatherers like deep within the universe. There's like a balance force. There's something that's like, if there's a wrong committed, then there's, there's waves that happen that like, okay, that's not right. And then there's gotta be something that corrects it. That's why I was, I went into the whole karma thing. Well, there's gotta, I mean, if there's gotta be something because if the, the unfairness thing internally for me, feels really, really deep. Feels like it's, I mean, as deep as what a soul would feel like, I would imagine. So that's why I, I end up going to that thought that, well, I mean, if, if there is some sort of thing that sort of got the ball rolling to make us conscious things, people or whatever, um, maybe there's like a, a fairness quota that they keep a tab on. And when a lot of, <laughs> a lot of wrongs get committed, they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and do like this, <laughs> push the karma button and try to even the scales out. I don't know. That's where my mind always goes because I, I hate and despise the idea that there's no real justice out there. It just sucks. Uh, it's like, yeah, wrongs get committed. There's terrible people. They're going to, they're going to do it and they're going to get away with it. Um, deal with it. <laughs> I, I just, I do like the deep down inside me. I just hate and resist that idea all, all day, every day. Wow. So does that help or is that just me going back to where I was? It's, it sort of sounds <laughs> like back to where you were. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to do with that because you can't, you can't, you can't do anything about it. You're just like, this is how things are. There is just injustice yes. in the world. There's no fairness. Yeah. And, and then you have to stew in that. And like, so how are you going to, like, what, what, what would fairness look like? What would justice look like? Well, I, yeah, these are good questions. It all depends on the wrong that's committed. <laughs> so yeah, I, th I think for me, it's, it's almost, I, I, maybe you would think that this is part of the letting it go thing is I just have to resign to the fact that justice is not really in the cards for a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of situations. So you just kind of have to not be obsessed about it. But what is, but what is justice though? Like, what is it? What is it? What's justice? It's, it's correcting the wrong. It's when there's some 
when something wrong or someone gets hurt or whatever, then. So how, how just and or fair are you with people in your life? I try to be really fair and yeah. And right with them. How do you do that? I guess it depends. Like, I don't know. Like if, uh, in my life, let's see. Um, if someone offers to like mow my lawn, I'm, I'm not going to undercut them. I'm not going to say, I'll, I'll give you. What, what if they undercut the lawn? And it dies. <laughs> well, then, then that's where, that's where you have to negotiate. Say, hey, <laughs> you know, you did, a, you did a terrible job. Come back and fix it. But and that's can a you think of, thing too. Can you think of a, a, a real life example of justice or fairness? So, so something that happened in your life that felt really, really unjust, felt really, really unfair. And you, just by your own loving nature, or <laughs> I won't even, like, you're just by your nature, you were able to balance the scale of injustice just by the way that you responded to it in fairness. In my life? Yeah. Uh, well, not, not, well, something that, that didn't affect me directly but like if a loved one dies, so like if you take like a, a family member and then the, the mom or dad dies when there's like two or three kids at home when they're young, that, that kind of wrongness really eats me up. Especially if like, it, let's say a drunk driver was involved or even if it was like a, a break-in gone wrong and the, and the dad gets killed or something like that. That kind of stuff. But you're still doing, these are hypotheticals. These aren't like actual Yeah, real they're not, yeah, right? that, that's what I'm saying. But there was, there was. What about, a, what about this friend of yours that, that you, you told me about this guy the other day that you work with, you bonded <laughs> over coffee. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story? Well, we can and, tell, and see if we it's can, not related, but. <laughs> well, but maybe it is. I don't maybe know. it is. No, I don't think it's related. I can I, think of some ways to, to try and stretch it. Remember, I, I know how to stretch things. So let's try. <laughs> It's a good story. I like it. it. Is, I like the story too. It because it it causes a lot of a uh, I don't know funny conflict within me. All right, so there's this friend of mine, and that conflict and, might be seen as like the scales of justice are out of balance now or something. Maybe I don't think so, but <laughs> we'll see, we'll see your gymnastic skills and see All right. if you can do this. Start stretching. Um, so this friend of mine, he he just recently started. Uh, well. We, we just recently became friends like in the last two years. Uh, and he, when he and I would sort of hang out and talk or whatever, it was an instant sort of bond because he saw that I drank coffee and he drank coffee and where I work, you know, we're like the only two coffee drinkers. So <laughs> not a lot a, of coffee drinkers in Utah in general, not but especially Utah where County, you work. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, dude, BFFs, we can be buddies. And we started just, chatting and talking and we instantaneously became pretty good friends and <laughs> that was sort of our instant like you know our what the element that got us through the brt initially and so so i ran into him just a week or so ago uh ran into him at his house and started catching up or whatever and i was like hey man how things been and just asking him like how his health was doing because he had some health problems and how his wife and the, and the baby are doing and everyone's doing good. And then uh, I said, that's great. And he's like, no, you didn't hear me. I'm doing really good. And I was like, oh, that's great. I, I'm 
I'm really happy for you. It's like, no, no. Did you not hear? I was like, what? And he's like, I got baptized. And I was like, what? And he said, uh, I got baptized. I was like, oh no, I heard you. I just didn't. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to understand <laughs> what the hell's going on. Cause he, he, he was never Mormon. Um, yeah, no, was, was, is he a foreigner? Did you tell me that he was, he like, he was born in another country or his parents? No. Were? Well, I mean, he, he's he, so, I mean, he's, yeah, he's born in the U S so it's not a big deal. His family's from. South All right. America. Well, there's no need to be a racist, Tom. Let's just keep going on with the story. <laughs> Yeah, who brought that up? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so he, so yeah, uh, yeah, he was he was a non-member, and and then he just recently got freaking baptized, and and I know for a fact I did a terrible job at hiding my shock, astonishment, and the thing is, is like and disapproval, dis oh totally disappointment, like confusion. Why would, you, why would you fuck your life up like that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Judgment, <laughs> judgment, totally. Were That's you being fair? Were you being fair with him, Tom? I was being totally fair. I mean, the thing is, is was he being fair with me? Did he take my feelings under consideration when he got <laughs> baptized? That's my question. <laughs> no, you're right. So, he was, so he was totally I, being rude to you. I, yeah, just me, because it's only about me. Yeah. But I, 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 I was in such shock, and I'm still in shock that, like. So this guy, he's in his, his, his mid to late thirties and he's got four kids. And I mean, he's, he's, he's a qualified adult, like a logic thinking, common sense thinking adult. And it sent me down this hole of like who in their right minds as an adult with responsibilities and all that stuff is going to go out of their way <laughs> to be baptized in the church. And he even told me, because I know I was so shocked that he's like, baptized. He's like, yeah. He's like, in the LDS church. I was like, yeah, I figured. Yeah, I was, I, and, and it was weird too when he said that, because I was like, I almost would have been more relieved if it was like you've got Scientology you know, or something. Or Catholic or <laughs> something. It's like, oh God, at least it's not Mormonism. Uh, but no. And, and yeah, he was like, oh yeah, it's been really great. And it's, it was a really wonderful experience. And, and, you know, he just started going off about it. And I was like, Oh man. So now there's like this stupid obstacle that's probably going to affect our friendship moving forward. And, and just the other day I ran into him again and, and sure enough, he starts bringing up stupid Mormonism in our freaking conversations. Son of a bitch. It was never an issue before. And now guess what it is. It's like he just went out of his way and grabbed like the nearest hurdle or obstacle and put it right in front of me in our freaking friendship. And I was like, son of a bitch, we were doing great. Cosmic karma. <laughs> so so, so is, now, there, is there no way to kind of stretch this to say that the scales of justice or the scales uh, of balance, the scales of fairness have been tipped in the relationship? Because you've got a certain I, opinion about like what the Mormon church is. And that they I have a lie certain to people you mean, you mean and I they have damage a people. <laughs> and, and here's this friend of yours who's joined this institution that you see as very damaging. Yeah. But you're like, uh-huh. I can't say anything about it because I like him. I don't want to like. I am. I'm very. Like this. Yeah. I have to be supportive. Yeah. So, and, I, so, and I am. What? So how do you do this? So how, how do you, how, how do you uh, keep the, the scales of 
justice or fairness balanced in your friendship with this You're guy really who just reaching, jo- dude. he joined the enemy man this is the enemy you have been fighting against the enemy very vocally through podcasts for many many years tom and now he's just yeah. sided with the enemy yeah yeah he yeah he went and joined the the dark side or whatever i i i I don't know. I don't know how fairness and all this goes into play. All I can say is that I am. Well, the question is, are you being fair to him? What does it mean for you yes. to be fair to him and to be just Yes. in this case? I, like where, where if, if the church is going to abuse him, I mean, do you think that the church is abusive and takes advantage of its members? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's varying degrees. And you're just going to let him be part of this organization uh, he, that's going to take advantage? <laughs> why are you calling like I, like I can like i can go and force him not to yeah. <laughs> like i don't have a choice it's he gets to you know he's his own person and it's his life and his family's life so i have to just be a sideline friend and if that's what the choice that he's going to make and i do as a friend i have to find a way to be supportive i i just the conflict within me was so weird because i hadn't exactly uh dealt with it you know like i was telling you i i've i've spoken with so many people that have left the church or become disaffected and all that stuff i was trying to think of people that did the opposite <laughs> you know that that started out being non-members or whatever and then joined and there's there's only been and I did a tally the other day. There's only been three adults that outside of my mission. I'm not going to count that outside of my mission. There's only been three adults that I've seen get baptized in my life. So this is this is like the rarest of rare. And so that's why I'm like, what happened? I, I mean, don't give me this miracle bullshit. We know that's garbage. So don't. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to him, but I'd be like, I mean. Uh, I am curious as to his conversion story, but I know that I'd have to like bite my tongue and be like, that's really great, dude. Like, uh, you know, you were so cool before and now you're less cool. Like, why would you do that to me and everyone else? <laughs> See, you're joking about this. I am. But this is, this is kind of like what I wanted to get to because you, you can't, I you am really can't help. Yeah. You really yeah, can't help I being am. judgmental. You don't want to yeah. be judgmental. I don't want to be. And, and isn't is, that a form of violence when you're when you're like judging for some it, you're judging somebody for doing something that really isn't fair to yeah. them? It would be if I if I didn't if it exuded at all externally, but it's not. This is all just like internal conflict. I haven't I haven't been a jerk to this guy at all. In fact, I've been nothing but supportive, even though I do like bite my tongue you know, occasionally where I'm like, geez, and I can't hide my shock and astonishment outside of that. I haven't done anything uh, negative to him at all. So no, it, yeah, it would be a type of violence if I went up to him like you fucking idiot. Right. Like, why would you do something like that? And there but are if, people like that, but I'm not like that. But, but if you're carrying that inside of you, even though you're not expressing it, yeah. does it have any kind of impact on you at all? Yeah, it causes the conflict. That's the thing is I but I I kind of like wrestling with it too because I feel like this is something that I haven't experienced too much or at all really where someone who I bonded over coffee and and the fact that we're not within this <laughs> this dominating religion's freaking crazy, right? Like everybody's Mormon around here. We we have these conversations. <laughs> and then he betrayed then, you. Yeah, and he joined. He joined the. <laughs> it's like you just left me hanging, dude. Like now, now I got to drink my coffee, and you're gonna be one of those that judge me too. 
dang man so i mean i don't know yeah i is that any, i i don't even know where to go from here i, I i'm i still love him and i still i'm still going to support him no matter what and the only thing that i'm sort of holding on to is the statistics that he'll go inactive is really, really high. So I'm so you're, ho- you're holding out hope that he that this won't last. I don't think he's going to leave the church per se, but um, I do think that you know once the fire within him starts to wither away and burn out, that maybe maybe he'll fire up the old coffee maker again. We can hang out again. <laughs> what what? But what if it doesn't? What if what if this becomes like I know the best thing that ever happened to him, and yeah. his life is just really so much better because yeah. He embraced this belief system and this culture and it really, you know, I I think when you first told me the story, my response to you was, um, you know, I mean, I I obviously don't know who this guy is or what's going on, but I could imagine if if I'm going to make up a story about it, that people, I I think everybody has parts of themselves that they regret and parts of themselves, parts of their past that they feel like was a sin or whatever. And, you know, if, if, right. if you're given this option of you can get baptized and have all your sins washed away and you can be perfect and you don't have to feel guilt and you don't have to feel shame about anything that you've ever done. And, and you go, okay, I, I'm going to believe this. This is going to be, you know, like Dumbo's given this black feather that lets him fly, right, <laughs> you know, right. even though it's not really a magical black feather, but it helped him fly. And, and so the church, helps him not feel guilt or shame about himself. Um, I could imagine that might be something that's appealing to him and his wife to, to join, but then you might be considered or you might be concerned for him going forward that he could be taken advantage of or have the same kind of negative things that happened to you. Yeah. That I, happens I, to him. All that's true, but I think you know, maybe this is just selfish, but I'm, I'm actually more concerned about the tension that it's going to bring to our friendship because now, I mean, religion is going to be a topic of conversation, <laughs> dude, come on. I don't, and the thing is, is like, I, and I know what that feeling is and maybe, and this is a story I'm telling myself cause he hasn't quite done this yet, but that last conversation we had, it, it it's laying the groundwork for him to be a missionary to me. Yeah. Cause he, he knows where I'm at. You know, he, he, he knows what's going on. He may and, even be listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah, he might. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got to start a podcast and respond to Tom. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I, he could just I, send a message to me and then I'll publish it as a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't need to start a podcast. Glenn will po- publish it for you. Yeah. Whether I, you I want feel, him to or not. I just don't want him. The thing is, is, is it would put us in such an awkward situation if he starts to get preachy and proselyte to me because then it's going to force me to have to say, all right, man, listen, I mean, I've, I've, I've ran the gambit with this man. Like I, I you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to join. And then, and then I don't want to like, you know, pee on his parade either. By saying, dude, everything that's you're excited about or whatever, like I think is stupid. And I left. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. It's like obviously I'd have to find a, a much better way to say that than that. But I I don't know, man. So th- this I, isn't I, really I'm, such a stretch when we're talking about like fairness, right? You because you're saying you want to stretch. You're <laughs> you're saying that you want to be fair to him. 
you're saying you don't want you don't want <laughs> you don't want your reaction to what Mormonism is to interfere with your friendship with him. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just think it sucks that you know he's all fired up about Mormonism and and I'm like the opposite of fired up about Mormonism. Yeah. <laughs> so so how do you feel if if like you're in a conversation with him? And he's not really considering your feelings or anything at all. He's just uh-huh. like going full on missionary. I'm trying to like, dude, you read be, this chapter in Book of Mormon. Yeah. Sort of if you just yeah. do the commitment pattern, Tom, if you just pray, if you just <laughs> pray know. and ask, you know, God it will says right there the way that it, he did to me. Yeah. The truth yeah. will be revealed. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so, right. so you could easily interpret that as he doesn't really care about me. He doesn't know who I am. But you know that if he does that, it's because he cares about you. And also because he cares about himself and this experience that he had. Totally. Yeah. So so would you feel resentment that you're having to be the bigger person in this conversation and you're having to like (laughs) (laughs) in order to maintain the friendship, you have to just be okay with it instead of him like knowing his boundaries and not approaching you on that. Like that's that's kind of a justice fairness thing, isn't it? You still think that's a huge stretch? It is compared to what you were talking about because he's not like murder. He's not Hitler. <laughs> he's not like I like that. No, no, he's not Hitler. Um, uh, I don't think I would frame it as me having to be the better man by saying, you know, I I really appreciate you or whatever, and and being diplomatic. But that's the thing is, I will have to be in that. I'll have to be extremely polite and being very respectful and letting him know that I'm really excited for him. And I do hope that this works out to the very best ability that it possibly can for him and his family. Like you said, you know, this, this could be like, do you really believe that? Do you really feel that way? On some level, I think it could be good for him. It could be, it's good for some. Really? Uh, yeah, it is. It's good for some. Thing is, is like we're now to play the what if game. Like, I mean, is it good for my parents? I mean, yeah, kind of. But I have no way of comparing what it, their lives would be like without it. So I don't really sure. know. So and and do I feel like that might maybe my life's better out rather than in? You're only just playing the what if hypothetical game. Like, well, I don't know. Yes. Right, but the but the what if the what if hypothetical game that I'm most interested in playing with you right now is the how will you respond when he comes preaching to you and and you want to maintain the friendship and and so you you want to keep you want to be fair to him you you don't want your biases about the Mormon (laughs) Church to come in and interfere with your friendship with him you want to be open to him and I, I I've I've just had so many conversations in the past where I've talked about giving people the benefit of the doubt and I've talked with, and because of Adam's email, I want to be really careful of what I say about ex Mormons because this isn't every ex Mormon, but, but, <laughs> but I've had conversations with some ex Mormons that say, why would I do that to them? They're not going to give me the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to do this for me. So why should I do that for them? That's a fairness justice thing. And, but to me, like that's the, it's like, that's, it's a really good question. Why should you? Why should you be kind and loving and generous and give people the benefit of the doubt, whether they're doing it for you or not? It doesn't that like in the, in the net positive scheme of things, add a little bit more on the, the ledger side of being kind and compassionate. Yeah. And so overall, if you're looking at the interconnectedness of all things and you're talking about <laughs> injustice and karma, 
saying, I've done my little bit to be fair and to give people the benefit of the doubt, whether they're going to do it or not. And so in the world on aggregate, at least there's a little bit more out there than there would be if I didn't do it. No, that, yeah, you're, you're right about that. I, I, and we can stop I, the podcast right now. This is what I've been trying to get for 10 years <laughs> for you to tell me I'm right about something. <laughs> oh, but I, but I got to throw conditions on there, right? I can't just let that. Okay. Stay. All right. So we'll keep no, no, I, I think, I think there is something to that. You know, you got to be the, the better person by just doing, but I also think that what you just hit on where, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to, you got to go to bed at night with yourself. You get, when you close your eyes, um, you know, you don't want to, this is me speaking for me, not for anyone else. I, I, I do like the idea of, of knowing that I tried to act and react in, in the best way possible. So although I know that my buddy is going through all this and all that, that I think, uh, it's really stupid. And I, I think it's, it, he's putting himself in, I don't know, in a very ugly situation, potentially, especially with his family and his, and his kids. It really bothers me that, you know, he, he had such a good situation and then he, 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 uh, he decided to join, but it's not, you know, I'm not him and that's not, and it's not my life. And I have no way, I have no right to even judge him in any way, shape or form, because it could be good for him. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting lost in my rant here about taking, taking the higher road by just accepting what he's doing and not being judgmental yeah. and giving him the benefit of the doubt, even though he won't give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, and I think this is a long way of answering that question that you, you started at the beginning when you were saying, what, what do you mean by letting go? Or like what it is that I'm talking about letting go yeah, right. is, is you recognize that you want to be fair to your friend. Totally. But there's these, these, these attitudes that you have about the Mormon church, about it being abusive and whatnot, that could get in the way of you being fair to your friend. And so those are things to let go of. And those are things that I think <clears throat> what I'm hearing from you is you're going, yeah, the church can be good for some people. In some, in some cases, it could be good. So there's this but, like reluctance. But, but I'm not... Yeah, I'm not sure that that's totally true. <laughs> so you're still holding on to this like, eh, but the church is really shitty. The church is super, super shitty. There's a lot of good evidence that it treats people poorly. <laughs> there's a, there, but there's a lot of great evidence that it's really great for people too. This there's evidence, more evidence that it's no. great for people than there is that it's shitty. No, there's not. No, yes, there's there is. That's subjective evidence. That's what I was, I was just going to throw the flag on the play about this evidence thing because you can't – there's no way to really compare. Like I said, we're getting into the hypotheticals like, well, is your life better now that you left the church than, it, than if you would have stayed in, Tom? Who the hell would know? I think so. But that's just me just guessing right, right well, but I, my but, So I think that's even the wrong question in the first place. The, what? The, the role that the church has played in your life and you, you determining who you are and what your values are, that the church has been incredibly valuable. I don't think so. You're giving, you're giving the church credit for something I don't think it deserves. Well, I, I, what I'm really doing is giving you credit for the way that well, you responded to the church, for the way oh, that you went. Okay, then yeah, all right. Yeah, all so, right. So, so you see these things and that the church is doing, Brigham Young specifically, because that was your thing, right? Mountain Meadows yeah. Massacre, as soon as you like, found out what that was, yeah. you, you couldn't reconcile it with anything. Yeah, 
and if the church would have come out and actually done an apology for Mountain Meadows massacre instead of just like what Iring did, <laughs> well, he, his his was his wasn't like a weepy apology. It was it was a weepy we ex- something, wasn't? It? We express profound regret. Wow, you know it word for word. Yeah, but I that wrote, wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough to make Dude, you that, go. That was, was a half-ass attempt, is what that was. Yeah. And I'm not even, I can't even remember if he did shed some, you know, ironing tears or not. Oh, I think he he probably did. I think he's weepy by default. Yeah. He probably was weeping when he was writing it down. (laughs) Anyways. uh, The thing is, is like, I I keep going back in my mind, you know, us debating about the scenario. So if you had a friend, Glenn, that. I don't have any. Okay. Pretend like you did. (laughs) 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 Pretend like people liked you. Uh So if, if your friend's driving down this road and you've driven down this road, I don't know how many times, and there's a lot of potholes and things that could damage the car. Are they sativa or indica? And there's potholes. even, yeah, all, all kinds. <laughs> and then there's, you know, blind turns that lead off to a cliff. And I mean, just, it's a, it's a very dangerous road and you've been down that road lots of times and you're like, man, I, I would, I would recommend nobody go down that road. There's so many other roads you could go down. And then you see a friend that's like, I'm going to take this off ramp down this road and uh, I'll see you later. And then you have the opportunity to say, uh, you know, I've been down that road and dude, it's going to do damage to your car. It's going to do damage to you. You could potentially die or some family member could get injured. I think that's a very dangerous uh, and, a, and a risk that's really not worth taking. Yeah. I mean, no, is, that, is that, is that like that? But is that but is that a responsibility that you should take by saying, "Hey, man, like you know, it might not be my place, but I, can I just say you shouldn't join? <laughs> you should you shouldn't take this road." Well, I what I what I would say, Tom, is is to first swallow a humble pill, which it's taken me a long term <laughs> to figure out how to do. <laughs> but, but still choking but that, on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still choking on that humble pill. But the humble pill is, yeah, I've had this experience, but my experience is, is a minuscule fraction of reality. It's just what I experienced. So okay. what, what your experience with it might be different. But because I'm your friend and because I care about you, I want to tell you what my experience is, but I'm going to do it with a little asterisk on it to say, hey, I will support you in whatever you want to do. I'm your friend. I love you. So here was my experience with this. And, uh, you know, God bless you on your journey, (laughs) whether you believe in God or not. Bless you on your journey. (laughs) I'm here for you. I love you. And the, the, the thing I've, I've been in situations like that where I've gone down a path that didn't work for me and friends of mine go down a path and they're wildly successful in it. And then I have to go, okay, shit, was it just me? Was I the one with the problem? Do I then resent them because they were successful where I failed? And, you know, and then I've also had people that, you know, I, I say, don't go down this path. I went down this path. It didn't work. And then they're still doing it and they're still in misery and they're still, you know, like, but they're kind of blinded to it. They don't see it and they don't want my help. They don't want me to point out anything to them. You know, I, I've, I've been down those roads and I, for me, I, maybe that's why I keep coming back to this personal thing of, I just have to figure out how to be loving and judgmental or not judgmental in those situations where my natural tendency is to judge 
<laughs> and, and so when that pops up, become aware of it and go, oh yeah, th- this is another one of those paths, Tom, me being judgmental, that really hasn't worked out all that great for me. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I can't help but just, <laughs> I can't, I just keep wandering back to, because I feel like there's a part of what you're saying. It's like, dig your head in the sand. So like, mm. if, if you have a friend that's, that is going to take a journey that you've taken and you failed at, or that you ejected because it was dangerous or risky or whatever, and then you see a friend of yours going to take that exact same path. Um, and then you're like, you know, it's really not my place to judge and it's really not my place to say anything. And then your friend takes that path and then maybe doesn't have the exact same situation and reaction that you did, but let's say it turns poorly because (laughs) is that high probability it could end up really bad or poorly. And then your friend could come back to you later and say, dude, you knew like you, you had all the experience, you had the history. And then you saw me take that path. You, you saw me decide that I was going to join and, and right. go down this road. And you knew the risks. And you just dug your head in the sand. Bro. You know what you sound just like let, to me right now, Tom? Just let me do it. <laughs> you, you sound like all of those stories that I heard growing up Mormon, when you die and you come and you meet all of your non-member friends in the, pre- <laughs> in the, in the post-life yes. and they're like, you knew the truth that whole yeah. time and you didn't tell me? Why weren't you a missionary? Yep. That's what you're sounding like to me right now. And, mm-hmm. and I want to remind you. that what I told you for your friend was that you don't bury your head in the sand. You go to them with this humble pill and you say, look, here's my experience. I recognize it was only my experience. It might just only have been my experience, but here, but here's what I want to communicate to you as your friend. I support you in what you do and I'm, and I'm here for you and I'm willing to talk to you about it. I don't really want you to come and preach to me about things. Oh, it is that you want me to be. I can't that like you want me to join but if that's what you feel like you need to do I can only do me I'd, I'd much rather have you come and talk to me about those things that you're really genuinely feeling uh-huh. than to hide them and bury that in the sand you do you and I'll do me yeah let's All keep right. let's keep the communication open here's how I am here's how I'm feeling together we'll make harmony we'll and see. anything that makes me judgmental of you I'm gonna let go of together we'll make the world go Anything right. that makes me think that I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to let go of. You do you and I'll do me. Together we'll make harmony. Maybe I was right just for me and it was subjective. And maybe it's not right for everybody. Together we may dance differently, but it's all good. I'm easily inspired by the people surrounding me. But still I take pride in my individuality. I might be different from the people in my family. It's not right for everybody. I'll let go of that part where I have to be right and it has to be what everybody else does too. That's what I'll let go of in order to maintain (laughs) fairness and justice in the universe, Tom, the universe. It all starts with this little small decision in your heart. Okay. 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 So it's all about approach and and I agree with you there, except for, I want to throw one more scenario because I know we're getting close to wrapping it up. Like at least that's how I'm feeling. Eight years of infants on thrones, Tom. I know. So, if let's let's just change the metaphor so let's let's say you dated this just hot mess of a girl she was just a mess she's just emotionally unstable you know just 
but whether whatever factor was like super attractive, really good in bed or whatever it was. Did she like grab your ass when you were with her and stuff in the car and everything? (laughs) Yeah. She just do some things. You're like, Mm -hmm. well, I I just, I just can't find a way to quit you, but she's just toxic in every other way. And you know, she's bad for you. Like, yeah, without a doubt. Someone like that once. And, and, (laughs) and, and, and you know that like, let's say there's like, deep emotional or mental problems too. And you're like, dude, this she's an alcoholic. She's abusing Xanax. Whatever I've been there. I've been okay. there. Okay. <laughs> so you've been there. Um, and then, you know, you, you finally get the courage to break up with her. And then a real good close friend of yours is like, Hey, I'm going to go and ask her out. Like I saw she's single. Or, or you guys are broke up now. Is it okay if I go and pursue her or whatever? What do you think? Yeah. Are you going to give that same stupid speech about the, uh, you know, from my experience, like yeah. she, you know, it didn't work out for us, but Hey, I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to sure. love you through it. And, uh, yeah, man. So, yeah. Uh, and I'll, and I'll be there for him or her. See how right. I am <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when they so come low. out and they go, Ooh, that was a train wreck. You're like, yeah, it was. Let's go grab a beer and talk about no, it. No, no, except, except you're leaving out an important part. They'd be like, oh, that? that was a train wreck. And you knew it and you didn't tell me. But you did you tell them. Say, I thought you just, I thought no, you just you said you tell me them. That, you, no, okay. That friend would say to you, Glenn, you knew how big of a mess that was. Wait, and so you why, let me step into it. So why aren't you telling your friend what your experience was before they go into it? Well, you do, but. I mean, if that person is like, oh, yeah, but, no, but, but, you, but you know, this was my experience. I'm not telling you what to do. You do what you want to do. This was my experience with it. So I, I'm not, I'm not burying my head in the sand. I'm not withholding yeah, but, information from but, you. Yeah, you are. Because if you, if you, <laughs> you don't, are. if you don't, if you don't sit back and say, listen, you know, I love you, man. Like, and, <laughs> and, and if I reversed roles, uh-huh. if you had dated this hot mess of a, of a woman or a guy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you, and you knew that this was just toxic and trouble from the get go, you would hold a sign up saying, do not date this person, please for your own well being. Do not date this person at all. Please. I, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm saving you from all those years or dates and trouble that you go, you know, child support payments. I'm prevent, I'm helping you prevent. I yeah. mean, come on, man. Yeah. That's, 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 that's an what act of violence. Having. I think, I think that's an act of violence. When you're telling people them? what to do, you're saying, do not date this. Well, person. It's, okay. But <laughs> this person is toxic. This person is like worthless. This person is a piece of shit. Don't have any interaction with them. That's an act of violence because oh, you're, I, I think that's overstepping the bounds that you like, you can be honest and say, here was my experience with this person. That's one thing. But then telling them now, don't you, because you're going to have the exact same experience with them. That's not taking responsibility for whatever your role was in the dysfunction of the yeah. relationship. And maybe it was small, but you don't know that this person that comes in, isn't going to have a better experience with this person. And, and you have a maybe, pretty good idea though. Well, maybe they even need it just to learn and grow, you know, cause if, if you're well, telling if- me and I'm totally <laughs> into this person, I'm going to be like, well, you know, Tom, <laughs> no offense or anything. I think it's going to work out a little bit better with me than it did with you. You know, like I'd have that kind of ego thing going. I'm not going to listen to you. you I know? imagine you would. So I, I, you. I would need to go through that and have that experience and go, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Now but, I get but, it. Now but I even after, but because even, if, even after like, that look, experience, Joseph Smith, Joseph yeah. Smith, Joseph Smith, man, 
said, Who's this? There's Jules? no experience, or no, there's no, <laughs> what is it? There, there's no replacement for experience. I don't know. There's a scripture on it. He was in, oh. he was in the Liberty Jail or whatever one of those jails was. And God told him, There's no, you know, all these things shall be for that, that experience. You can't just tell somebody and they go, Oh, okay, I've learned it because you've told me. Most people have to experience something for themselves in order to get it. You gotta, you yeah. gotta figure it out on your own. Yes and no. I, I just I, <laughs> there's a lot of learning you can do without experiencing it. It's it's absolutely true, and I I, I feel like that gets undervalued a lot. <laughs> what 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 can you learn without experiencing it? Okay, so if 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 it was me, I would be so thankful if you said don't don't date this hot mess of a person, dude. I mean, I this was my subjective experience, and and I'm going to be respectful. I, I'm still going to support you if you want to date this person, but I mean come on, dude, like this, I, this person ruined a good portion of my life and I can't sit by and let this person ruin a good portion of your life as well. You know, like, yeah. So, I, so I, here's I the story warn, right there. I just got to warn you about this. Is your and, life really ruined, Tom? Well, if I end up with like 18 child support payments every month. Yeah. And okay. Well, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to raise my hand here. I make child support payments. I am not going to admit that my life is ruined because I'm divorced. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. So now you're bringing in your experience. I'm into this hypothetical, but. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. Like that's, to, to me, it's all about being able to reframe your experiences to be grateful for what you experienced. And, and yeah. to say like, okay, you know what? The Mormon church didn't ruin me. The, well, the, the, the divorce didn't ruin me. My experience with this other person didn't ruin me. It but taught you, me things. But you don't know. The thing is you really don't know if it like actually ruined you. Cause you don't, you don't have like an other alternative Glenn that didn't get, have to go through the Mormon experience to know. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Of course we do. Look, look talk to Brian Green. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Dude, seriously, though. Seriously, though. I just, I, I just listened to these clips of Brian Green being interviewed by Joe Rogan. <laughs> There's some freaking awesome stuff in there. I'm going to send them yeah. to you. All right. But All right. Um, yeah, I know. We're playing around with the idea of like multiple yeah, realities and multiverses <laughs> and stuff like yeah, that. Right. You're right, Tom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. You're right. There's, oh, there's, you. not, there's not in this reality and an alternative Glenn for me to benchmark whether right. the choices that I made put me in a right. better position or a worse position. Right. But what I would say to you is because there isn't playing that game of better or worse is futile. It, it might doesn't do, be. It doesn't do anything but create it, in your own mind, the sense of inadequacy and failure and question like, could I have been better if I had done things this other way? Did this thing ruin me? Am I ruined? I don't know if I'm ruined or not because I have no way of comparing myself against this fictional thing that doesn't <laughs> exist. So maybe I'm ruined. Fictional thing. Except yeah. that you can look at where you are right now in your life and how satisfied you are with who you are and with what's going on to go, oh, you know what? I haven't been ruined. I'm not in the dregs of society. Like I went through some hard fucking shit. I went through some hard shit. Yeah. And I, it taught me some things about myself and it, and it's made me, it's made me able to be <laughs> like an eye in the storm of a lot of chaos going around me. And I can kind of go, uh, like, I don't, I don't know the best way to describe it, but I'm able to find peace in places that I wasn't able to find peace before. Right. 
Well, and maybe some of it's because you can compare yourself to who you were before said yeah, sure. incident and you can be like, oh, I'm better off. I've gone through that horrible, shitty situation and I learned a lot about myself and yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. You brought that up earlier today. I, I found this, this um, email that I wrote many, many years ago when my daughter, who's almost, how old is she? She's 23. So she was probably a year and a half, two years old, we were potty training her at the time. And I like wrote this email about how I interacted with her while she was potty training. And I was really appalled at myself as, as I like read what my attitudes were towards, towards her because I was really very, like, yeah, because she, cause, cause I, I was working on my dissertation, not my dissertation, my master's thesis. And from the other room, she said, daddy, I have to go now. And I came in and there was a puddle on the floor. So she'd made a mistake. Uh-huh. And, and she didn't want me to get angry at her. So she was looking up at me with these crocodile teary eyes like, but daddy, are you happy about pee pee in the potty yesterday? And I'm like, yes, but I'm very disappointed in what you did right here right now. But are you happy about what I did this time? Yes, but I'm very disappointed. In it. And like, I'm reading this and I'm like, dude, why was I being such a fucking asshole to her? Like, <laughs> like she, she's, she's like reaching out to me to, yeah. to hold her and love her. And instead yeah. I think, well, no, I can't give her love in this moment because if I do, then she'll just keep peeing on the floor the whole time. I've right. got to make an impact, you know? And so I'm telling this whole story about that. And I'm looking at myself back then and going, oh, I'm I'm glad that I'm not like that. <laughs> so I do have that benchmark in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I, I've been, I, I, I think for me, even just talking about this right now, I, I think the, the important lesson is, is like telling my buddy that I think this is a mistake and you shouldn't do it isn't the right thing to do. Right. But because, because at the end of the day, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be able to, I can't choose for him. He's, I have to respect him and his life no matter what, just like I would expect him to do for me. Yeah. And so at, at the end of the day, like you said, I can say, Hey, this was my experience. Take it or leave it. Um, I, I wish you well. And, and I hope it works out for the best. And then on some level, I've got to come to terms by really believing and accepting that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You have to really actually hope for that it works out and be interested in him. Like if it does work out, how, why? Share with me your experience. That's amazing. I'm really glad for you that it helped out. But then there's that question. Can you? Can you really be glad? Or is there something that's keeping you from being glad? And if so, that's where I would say there's there's some work to do to let go of that. So that you Possibly. can really be, so that you can really be glad for that, and not have that be an impediment between you and your friend. See, but because I, that's creating injustice <laughs> in the world and unfairness, and <laughs> that's bad karma. But yeah, but what I'm fighting against is that that hypothetical future where, you know, make his decision comes back to bite him in the ass, and then later, uh, you know, even if he doesn't like say it, but if if I see him make all these mistakes. And then I, I sit back. I'm like, God damn it! I had I had the power. I had the ability to at least warn him. I, don't, I didn't have the ability to help you know change his mind or anything like that. But I could have at least held up a sign like, dude, there's 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 a big you know mistake coming your way if you don't change course just a so little. So you bit. would you would feel responsible. If, I would if 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 he or goes into resp- something. Not responsible. So, so let's let, but- let's say that in five years. <clears throat> He, he has gone through the process of becoming disillusioned with the church, but his wife is all in and they end up divorcing and there's a broken family over it. 
would you feel that you were responsible for them divorcing and having this horrible, well. horrible <laughs> failure of a thing happen in their life <laughs> Jeez. that you could have prevented? This is Cause, cause now he's got to pay child support. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so he's just a failure. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and so would you feel responsible that like you could have prevented that if only you would have spoken up and, and told him that that was a possibility? The word responsible there is it's tricky because on some level, yes, and mostly no. So I would feel like I could have at least planted a seed or I could have done something. And that's, and that even goes back to the whole moving the needle thing. Mm-hmm. You know, could I, could I have done something to help move the needle with him, you know, for this potential disastrous future yeah. <laughs> that awaits him if he, if he takes this road. And part of me is like, ah, cause, cause there's a lot of times, even in my own, life or whatever where i see something play out and i feel like oh tom's being nostradamus I, like i called this i knew this was gonna play out like i saw this coming and here we freaking are and what nobody listened to me then right and yeah. no one's gonna listen to me now so if i'm saying being baptized in the church is probably a bad idea and they're like oh yeah and then i'm like well okay i don't want to have to do the i told you so dance later yeah. That's what I'm saying. But I want to see you do that. I told you so. <laughs> I really want to, I want to give a GIF of Tom's. I told you so dance. I picture some hip oh, swiveling man. and like some, <laughs> some cowboy, you know, yeah. tipping. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, so let's wrap up this justice and karma series by, by quickly. I just want to get your take very quickly. On different <laughs> things that were shared. With the audience. So the, the first episode, we shared that, that uh, Hinduism episode that Andrew Ainsworth put together. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I, I, did I? Or I, I've, I've heard it before. Yeah, it was, it yeah was, for sure. Because it was one of your uh, replayable things. Yeah. Well, yeah, you put a bunch of replayable stuff in here. Why not? I mean, the yeah. audience is psych- like, they haven't heard this stuff. Just Maybe they people, have, I and mean, you listen to it again. I don't know. The listeners I, feel like they have Alzheimer's, you know. <laughs> Did I hear this before? <laughs> is Glenn yeah, right. repackaging this? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the dozens and dozens of listeners that are still around, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, did, what did you think? Like, like on a scale of one to ten, on, on like, I don't know how we were going to rate this, like a, like a Tom, like it, it, it made you think or it was valuable to you in any way like what what did what was your takeaway from the hinduism stuff well well his breakdown is actually really good like he he does a really good job of sort of laying out the origination or some of the foundations and the structures of hinduism and he and he only just lightly touches on karma a little bit because karma for all intents and purposes is originated from uh hindu beliefs so Yeah, uh, what would it go? Eight out of ten. Okay. I, what, I, what do you think about that idea? Like my favorite part of the Hinduism episode was when he's talking about Brahman and Atman yeah, and yeah. that conception of you know like the way that the Hindus anciently <laughs> I, and I don't know how contemporary this is or not, but but the ancient view of God as being everything and we're just a piece of everything right, right. kind of thing. What, what do you think about that? I, I like it. Yeah. I I think about it occasionally. I I think as far as like uh, a religious structure or belief system, um, I dig it. Yeah. Cause it, cause it's, it it encompasses like we're all equal. We're all part of this connected thing or whatever. And the way Hinduism is, is it's really a flexible 
the leaf structure <laughs> there's like all kinds of different little forms it can take and yeah it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty fascinating religion so yeah it, it seems like it yeah I, and i i don't I, i'm i'm sure there are different factions and people that say oh we're we're the right hinduism i'm they're sure the wrong, there's you know, probably there's, there's fundamentalists like that, yeah literals yeah. and fundamentalists in there yeah Probably. All right. So how about uh, then, then the next episode, there were, there were several clips. There was an Alan Watts where he talked kind of about the way that he talked about karma wasn't metaphysical at all. If I remember right, it was just kind of like, we're all expressions of nature and we all kind of, kind of like um, the relationship between a bee and a flower. You can't really have one without the other. So there's a connection between the two. It's almost like they're, di they're different parts of a larger organism. Like he yeah. doesn't go into this whole Gaia thing, but it's kind of like a, what I understand of people saying, you know, like the Gaia, the, the Mother Earth, right, we're all different right, right. pieces of that. Um, I like that that take on karma. That anything that we do has some kind of uh, opposite and equal reaction. Yeah. Whether it comes back to us or it just is is met by something else in the world, we're all interconnected. So, what 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 did you think about that message? Well, I, I like that, it, but for me, it gets a little, it gets a little too much in the in the what do I call it? Philosophy? No, not philosophy or okay. sort of spirituality. Yeah, it starts playing. It starts playing in that realm where I'm like, man, we're we're in we're in the land of speculation. So, what's is, this, is all, what's speculatory about that? Well, that there's some sort of karmic thing that balances out. I mean there's not even really any evidence for that. It's a really cool thought and I want to grasp it, but I think part of my critical thinking mind frame is like, well, I need some freaking shred of evidence to lead me down this road first. Yeah. So it's I, harder I, for me to play in the sandbox of speculation where there's little or no evidence. So, yeah. And, and this might be where my mind takes me in places that I get out of sync with other people because I, I remember what what's that guy's name? Uh, Tyson. I don't know. He's, 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 the, he, he's the, uh, the scientist that Neil deGrasse, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I, I, I was reading his, his recent book about like the formation of the universe. And when he was talking about the, the particles of matter versus the particles of antimatter that they perfectly balance out. I think there's like one, uh, element of antimatter more than there is matter or something. But, but anyway, because it's, it is the number that it is, we have a stable universe. But if there was a little bit more matter than right. antimatter or something like that, it would balance things out. So like, why not consider things like that when you're thinking about karma and justice from the nature of the universe? Like we're not as humans, we're not doing anything that is disrupting the fabric of the cosmos in a sense that everything is being destroyed. Nature seems to have a way of balancing itself out. Yeah. And we're just a very, very small fraction of that. Like, so, so to me, that's, kind of, that, that's what I think Alan Watts is saying when he's talking about the interconnectedness of all things and karma. Um, but I don't know where that... It, it, does that seem speculative to you? Uh on some level yeah but but i can see where you're connecting the dots so i can appreciate that yeah okay so so in, in that sense for me if i'm if i'm looking at injustice and karma in that sense then i think there's there's no injustice that's happening that is so grievous 
to the universe that it's causing a collapse <laughs> in space-time. <laughs> Everything is still kind of here. <laughs> right. And maybe that doesn't matter. So, so like for you, that doesn't matter to people doing shitty things and not getting punished for it. It's well, I mean, it, unless if, it, do you remember when, when Christ got crucified, the, the world shook. So yeah. that's when, that's when you could say, well, that's, that's when the universe said enough's enough, man. Like you guys are, you guys are, you know, just killed my only begotten son or whatever. So I'm going to yeah. cause earthquakes and fires and stuff. I'm pretty sure that's just a story. <laughs> is this a story you're telling yourself, or yeah, is this a story right. that's written? Well, somewhere? all all of these things are stories. You're right. If we're, <laughs> if we're being if we're being honest, these are all stories that we're telling ourselves. <laughs> I like that you were on your eye. Like, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. With the Christ example, yeah. when he gets crucified, <laughs> you're gonna bring that in. <laughs> I like it. All right, Jim Jim Tucker and and uh. uh John Cleese that when, when John Cleese is interviewing Jim Tucker oh, about yeah, these I like memories of, of past lives among children. Yeah. What, what, what did that do for you as part of the justice versus karma? Did it move <laughs> well, the needle of Tom's? No, I don't, think it necessarily, I don't think it necessarily moved the needle. I just thought it was a really interesting, uh, I, I got to remember exactly what was spoken about in there. Oh, it was, just, it was this like five or six year old kid that remember had this memory of being a Hollywood actor and yeah it was like past lives reincarnation yeah. stuff and they looked it uh, up and they confirmed it yeah i, I mean what, what was that other movie uh heaven is real or something like that where some kid almost dies i mean we're talking about these whether it's past lives or future lives or near-death experiences where they experience something i mean yeah but that's again we're in the full-blown land of speculation although that experience the one that they shared there was some sort of verifiable, you know, they could go back and check it or whatever, but yeah. I, you know, I just got done watching a, a UFO documentary and there's, you know, right. other people, other people in different places that witnessed the same thing. So was that close encounters of the fifth kind? Is that what it's called? That's one of them. Oh, oh, you yeah, watched another one. Yeah. Since then. And you didn't tell me Tom. Oh, well, man. it's, it's, it's on unsolved mysteries. Okay. All right. It's on Netflix. It's it's the second to last one. It, right. it happened like 40, 50 years ago. There was multiple witnesses. Yeah. Um, in different areas. So how do you take in that under account? I don't know. They how does that it. fit with justice and karma? Like UFO. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't. I, I need to backtrack for a second because I got the eight out of ten for Ainsworth's Hindu episode. What, what about yeah. the Alan Watts clip? What, what would you give that one? Yeah, I'd give that like seven. Okay. Seven. How about and then the Jim Tucker? Uh, seven. Okay. Six, six, seven. Yeah. And Eben Alexander's near-death experience. Ooh. How about that one, Tom? Because we haven't talked about that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, we're gonna have to dip below the five on that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's go with a four. Okay. All right. And then what did I do after that? What, what, what were the episodes? Then, then we, we started doing Christie. There wasn't anything else. I think it was just like our discussion about yeah, the Jim except, Alex, or the Except for you had to shoehorn another Esther Hicks thing in, in one of the recent ones. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. That one. I don't I know if you were trying that to, one. You I love it. The thing is, you played that one before. And I was I like, did. is he making me feel like I'm losing my mind now? Did too? you listen to the whole thing again? Or I've did you go I've like... Li- I, when I listen to it, I'm like, dude, this is brainwashing 101 because now I'm starting to feel like I'm memorizing part of it because <laughs> I've listened to it at least twice. 
now that, that had to have been either the third or fourth try. I'm like, all right, this is Glenn definitely yeah. <laughs> trying to get. You're gonna listen to this. You're gonna listen to this multiple times, or I'll put this on multiple episodes. <laughs> yeah. So what was your what was your takeaway from it? Uh, it's 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 a good thought, and it, it, what is what's a good thought? So it's it, it's since, if I remember right. It's the problem of evil, right? It's Basically. I mean, it was that, that guy who's saying that I, I've lost my faith in humanity. There's just like shit yeah. all the way up and down and you and can't tell taken, me it's not. It was taken umbrage or whatever. And that's yeah. where she's like, all right, turn the camera off. Or, you know, when she's like, can you remove your hat? And he's like, no. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable thing or whatever. But. Um, yeah, that, that, w- that was a small part of what happened. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, I have to look through the lens of Esther Hicks to translate this clip. So that's why it's always problematic, but you know, you only look through the lens of Tom Perry to translate the clip. That's all I'm asking. (laughs) Um, I mean, we've talked about this. So yeah, I, I, I'll give that a, I'll give that a five out of 10. Yeah. See, and, and the, the thing that I, I think I, I most like about that I really like the way that, that Esther validates this guy's point of view uh, yeah, at every turn and sincerely. Like a, a good charlatan would, yeah. Yeah, okay. If you want to think of her as a charlatan, <laughs> that's fine. But, but that her message to him is you're not wrong, but do you recognize that because you're focusing on this and you're ignoring so many other things that it's having an impact in your life that's making you full of hatred? Is that well, really what you want to do? Yeah, but was that to me is full? such an. I mean, that's why I share that. Like, yeah, go, right. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But there's more. There's more going on than just that. And, and you know, someone like he mentioned, maybe I'm just bitter right now because I'm going through a divorce. And you could hear everybody in that audience go, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get it now." The puzzle you know? piece fits. That, yeah. But right. he was he was just in such a, a hard place for himself to be. That's just that net. He was creating a hell based on facts, based on real facts. Yeah. Based on real facts. Yeah. And, and I think about you that way. Cause I don't want you to create, to be carrying around this personal Tom Perry hell of like, <laughs> there's so much injustice in the world and there's no way that it can like, be carried out. You know, like the scales can be balanced and well, and, and that's, and that's the important message, whether it's from, Esther Hicks or whatever, but to just not, it's, it's a balance. You, you want to be able to recognize the injustices of the world and especially ones that affect you directly. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to do what you can to quote, move the needle. Yeah. To try to, to right the wrong as much as you possibly can. But you, like you said, you don't want to get consumed by it either. And you don't want to obsess about it and you don't yeah. want to, you know, be that and, person that's carving, you know, things in the walls at night or whatever. And, and the needle that I want to move in myself first and foremost is to, is to get from that place of judgment where I've been terribly judgment, judgmental of people my entire life and, mm. and really get to a place of acceptance and love and gratitude. And like, to me, that is the needle that if, if I can move that in myself and then I can see that being moved in the world, awesome. I, I love that. And, and I feel like that's kind of Esther Hicks's message, but I don't know. It might just be my way of seeing it because that's what I want. That's what I want to see. And that's my confirmation bias. And so I'm seeing that in there, you know, it's possible, but yeah, I, I, but see, I want to say, I see, to I see her Adam, message of wanting to make money, but yeah. 
but she's made the money. So why does she need to keep doing it? So, so we, we, we talked about Adam and, and oh, yeah, you know, yeah, listener yeah. Adam, he's, he sent us another email that we haven't shared uh, on the podcast, but I just want to say, Adam, one of the things that he said in that email was that he could do what Esther Hicks is doing. You know, if, if he wanted to get out there and make millions of dollars spouting nonsense, he could do it. <laughs> do it, Adam. Oh, dude. Do it. You can, I'm throwing down you, the gauntlet. Oh. Do it. Show me. Prove it. Prove well, there's a, it. There, there's other Esther Hickses out there. So I think that those would be the he examples. Do, I, I mean, like I, 10 years from now, Adam comes back to us and is like, I got 12 million bucks because I've told people that the way that they think and feel, because like, what did he do? He compared it to like, it's the same thing as Tony Robbins. Anybody can do that. Okay, then do it. <laughs> then do but it. That's not, Go. But that's, not, that's not the right answer. Do, oh, oh, yeah? Well, well then you then go do ahead it. and do it. Well, no. what's the right answer? The right answer is like, you're right. Pretty much anyone can do it that has a good perspective and advice and wisdom and whatever. The all only got, way people can do, do it is, do is, is the message, if the message that they're peddling is valuable enough for people to open up their pocketbooks. I, yeah. And some people are geared more towards that Esther Hicks kind of thing. Some people are geared more towards the Tony Robbins stuff. Some people are geared more towards the infants on thrones. Some people are, you know, like geared towards whatever, uh-huh. but you know, like if the, if that overall message is bringing you, it's moving that needle up to like love and acceptance and gratitude. I, I'm not going to judge it. Okay. Even, even if it, Oh, yeah, or I'm not going to go. Even if it what? No, do it. Go. <clears throat> go. So even if it gets you to more love and acceptance, but it completely drains your bank account? Um, w- w- it doesn't drain your bank account. You've drained your bank account because you've said. Oh, my God. Right? What? No. Have you, you, you're not the one that's making the choice to say, I'm going to open up my pocketbook. And I like these messages that I'm hearing. Like for Esther Hicks. It's I'm going to buy the books or I'm going to attend the workshops. And you say, I, I want more of this. I, I like what I'm hearing. I want more of this. I'm going to do it. And it's having a, a positive impact in my life. So I'm willing to pay 250 because, bucks because or whatever it is. She's hitting like these weird notes over and over and over again. And people like the way it makes them feel. And so yeah. it's, like a, it's like a drug. And so they end up going on the cruises and the workshops and they just keep draining the money. And, and they are for all intents and purposes like an addict. And so they just keep shoveling money. And she's what? Innocent? Yeah, but, she's not the drug dealer? You're talking you about serious? these people as if you know them, Tom. I don't, no, I don't know as them, but I'm victims. using them as... Well, yeah, I definitely think that some of them are victims, for sure. I think you, I think you need to let go of that fiction that you're telling about people. Well, it's not Get, a get to know some of them. No, I, well, I did when we were doing the research. I, I read several blogs and YouTube videos of these people who had to almost physically unplug themselves from the Esther Hicks... Oh, really? I haven't seen those. Oh, no. Yeah, share those those with me. I want want to hear that. I haven't haven't heard that. These people that, you know, had to pull their loved ones away from it, like, you got to stop. You have to stop throwing money away. You you just switch tracks. Is it the the people themselves that are saying, I had to pull myself away? Or is it the loved ones going, they were in a cult that I decided was a cult and I, I had saw, to pull them out of it. <laughs> I saw some of both. Why, yeah. why are you mocking those people? Because those like, people, because there's saw, a difference between somebody having a direct experience with it and somebody outside of it judging it. Uh, see, that's, this is weird because if, if I saw my mom who had very little money and she was throwing what little money she had at Esther Hicks by going on these stupid ass cruises, hearing the same channeling over and over and over again, yeah, I'd be super protective. 
yeah, be like, and, no, don't but, do that. But but is it making is it taking your mom's needle from a place of apathy and discouragement and despondency up if to it, acceptance and love? Would would you think, oh, okay, if if it's if it's making her feel better, I'm okay with it? Or would you be like, no, this is just bullshit? You know, there's better ways feel, for her to move the needle. She shouldn't be doing this one. Yeah, but heroin makes people feel better too. Yeah. It yeah. does. It does. <laughs> But it also ruins people's lives. Uh huh. So, so, the, so how many people have overdosed on Astor Hicks? You're going to do the heroin? <laughs> really? You're going to heroin here? Yeah. I mean, if if, I, you, if we're if we're going to do the whole, that's well, that makes them feel good. Well, if if my mom ends up homeless, if she like her, she loses everything because she throws all of her money at Esther Hicks. Is that's not problematic? Of course, it's yeah, problematic. Sure. If if so she, if she ends up if she ends up homeless, what would what would you do? What would you do if your mom ended up homeless, Tom? And she's like, I gave all my money to Esther Hicks because I wanted to hear what Abraham had to say. What would you do? Uh, <sighs> I would be very very angry at Esther Hicks and my mom. Really? Would you would you take your mom in and take care of her? Or would you say, of course. I'm not happy I mean, about pee on. on the potty. You did a bad thing by peeing but on the foot like I did but, with my daughter back then. But I would want to reach out. Ago. I would want to reach out to Esther Hicks and just say, hey, I don't know how many of your followers my mom represents, but you got someone who just drove themselves homeless mm-hmm. listening to your regurgitated nonsense. So yeah. I really think that it might be a good idea as you walk down from your state to think about the people that you, that might, their lives might be getting ruined because yeah. they just have to listen to you. Um, and, it might and, be, it might be a worthwhile cause for you to think you've made so much money. Maybe you should stop charging, overcharging even for a lot of your content. Maybe you should, you know, if you really are trying to do good in the world, stop freaking charging so goddamn much for people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then what would happen? Then the world would be much better. Then you, we could <laughs> she, all enjoy she, utopia. Like, is she going to respond to you when you send that message not. to her? Okay, yeah, so, probably so how, not. Probably. So you're going to feel better just by just by sending that message. Because that's I'd be like, trying to move the needle there. I would. And, and then you'll you'll have a sense of peace in yourself that you've done something, whether unless, it's had an effect or not. Unless I went to her uh, one of her like live events, and I could be one of the the chair people who she gets to interact, and I'd be like, "You freak!" And then I could read the letter out loud to her. Maybe yeah. then she'd listen. Then the spotlight would be on her, you know? Maybe. Yeah. And the camera, unless you said you didn't want it on. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be like, Oh, I've, I've talked to people like you before, Tom. Yeah. Don't we worry. know, we know you, Tom. I, I, yeah, we, we know peasants <laughs> like you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but so if your mom went bankrupt uh-huh. and her life was ruined, ruined <laughs> you'd, because you'd she was that. into, because she was into <laughs> Esther Hicks. Uh-huh. And then you'd be like, first of all, you'd probably feel a little sense of satisfaction. Like, yeah, I told, I knew Glenn was full of shit with this. <laughs> I got proven right. I would do the, the, I told you so dance. But, but like you would just love your mom and take care of her until of her course, dying day. Of course. Of course. Of course. What if she still wanted to listen to, to Abraham Hicks, like YouTube videos for free in your house? Would you, would you forbid it? No, that's fine. Really? Yeah, and I'd even want to talk to her about it. What if she wanted to use heroin? (laughs) 
<laughs> then I would say uh, I'm maybe under doctor supervision. That's about really? it. D yeah. Doctors will supervise heroin use? No, they would refuse it. That's why I said it. Oh, that's why you said it. So basically, you're, you're, you're if the not doctor approves no. heroin use, then I'm okay <laughs> with it. <laughs> All right. And then you would have the same standard, but the doctor also has to approve Esther Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the doctor, yes, yes. Right. The a prescription. doctor has to be aware of All right. who this uh, charlatan Esther Hicks is. Yes. All right. So. I'm looking up at the clock. It's exactly 4:44, and and that is a that's in Arizona right now. But yeah. but 4:44 that means that Jerry is sending a message to us right now. Esther Hicks's husband, by the way. <laughs> oh that's for me. So so at this <laughs> at this auspicious time of 4:44, what would you like to say to the dozens of listeners that have stayed with us this long, Tom? About I'm sorry, um, and th <laughs> but thank you. And, uh, you know, even though there's no satisfying answer at the end of this, that uh, justice isn't going to be filled and then the unfairness that we're all going to feel throughout our lives, um, you're just going to have to find a way to deal with it. <laughs> uh, so find some really good books, man, and find some good music, learn to meditate and exercise and, and, uh, and be yeah. the karma that you want to see in the world. And then start a podcast, talk yeah. to, and, 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 and do your own justice series, just not as long. Or longer and better. <laughs> longer. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do a 20 episodes on this. Yeah. We could, we could, I could have stretched this. Oh, I know you could have. All right, man. Well, thank right. you, Tom. No, thank you for being you. <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> All right. And, and I hope your mom stays away from Master Hicks because I really don't want her to become homeless. Who it is that you want me to be? I can't be. I can only do me. I can only go where life takes me. Hi, this is Hillary. Matt, Ryan, Carol, Keith. Dashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website infantsonthrones.com If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? There's only one of me incredibly uniquely designed. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones.